It is Wednesday, August 19th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who could easily shotgun a can of Gatorade or beer or a six-pound standing rib roast, J.P. Shadrick. The man's not wrong. Welcome into Jaguars Happy Hour, our first Wednesday show of the 2020 campaign. And we've got plenty to get to today. Bucky Brooks' debut. We'll get to the offensive installation and a short time frame for this Jaguars offense. What can they get done over the next week and a half? We'll talk about the defensive attrition that has happened so far and how the Jaguars battle that. And a report this afternoon that a trade is somewhat imminent of Unique Ngakwe. We'll touch on that, and we'll go around the National Football League. John Osier, Jaguars senior writer, with us as always on Wednesday. But we welcome in the newest member of the Jaguars broadcast team from NFL Network and former Jaguar Bucky Brooks. Bucky, it's great to have you. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, man. I'm excited to be a part of the team. No doubt. John, you've known Bucky for a long time, going back to the – I guess the mid-90s, right? Well, we had uh, two years together, as uh, writers like to say, of players they cover. Uh, I covered Bucky 96, uh, part of 97 with the Jags. And then, you know, in, in the last few years, as, as a lot of us at Jaguars.com and around the NFL have, have gotten to know Bucky again in his work uh, you know, through the NFL, especially leading up to the draft. He's been on a lot this offseason as we geared up for this. Obviously, I'm looking forward to it. I can tell you, JP, as a reporter, when I saw that Bucky was doing well as an analyst, it didn't surprise me. He was one of the better guys to talk to in the locker room back then. He's still one of the better guys to talk to on television and the media now. So, Bucky, I'm looking forward to it, buddy. Man, I thanks so much. Thanks for the kind of words. We need some, like, classic 96 stories. We've got a whole season to get to some of those. But, um, you know, I'm excited to, to hear some of those as we move along here, Bucky, for sure. You see his work on NFL Network, uh, the Move the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah, uh, five years in the National Football League, including some time here in Jacksonville. And, you know, it wasn't long after that, Bucky, you went straight into media work. You were pretty quick into it right after you retired. Is that right? Well, I, I scouted for about seven years, so that kind of gave me, um, I guess, a, a feel for the, the business in a way because I was writing so much. But then, man, in 2007, I had an opportunity to start writing for Sports Illustrated, and away I went. But it's been a very, very enjoyable experience, and I'm really loving what I'm about to do with you guys. Yeah, the scouting part of it is interesting because um, you, you put you and, and Daniel on a podcast together. It's like, okay, now you guys know exactly what you're looking for, what you're talking about when it comes to, to prospects. The pre-draft process is unbelievable with you two guys. But having that scouting background gives you an insight that not a lot of people have. Yeah, it's unique, man. I, I feel like I've been blessed and fortunate in my career to not only play for a bunch of great head coaches, but to be around a bunch of great personnel, man. Uh, from Ron Wolf to some of the other guys that I've also been around, Scott McLuhan and John Snyder, I feel like I've really learned a lot about the business and the team building process. John, it's, uh, it is a different view of things than we would have, right? As a, as a writer and a broadcaster, you know, if you haven't been inside those war rooms, it's, it's a little different, John, to get his point of view. Well, there's no question. And a couple of weeks ago uh, when Bucky was on the Ozone podcast, we talked about that a little bit, and I was fascinated to learn how being a scout, which is much different than how you see things as a player, I think players often just see things from their own individual position point of view. If you're a wide receiver, that's how you see the world. You're wanting the ball, you're trying to learn the offense. As a scout, you have to step back and look almost down on the game from a higher point of view. Not that many media types, which, uh, Bucky, unfortunately for you, you are a media type now. Uh, not that many in the media have both of those who have seen it as a player, know how players think, and who have seen it from a scout. So I don't want to say it's absolutely he's the only one, but it's a very unique point of view that he comes with. Yeah, thanks, John. Glad it, to have it, it is on definitely team, unique, sure. but I'm excited. I'm excited to offer up some analysis for the Jacks. 
Let's do it, man. Well, let's get right into it. Let's start off, though, with the big picture look here, guys. It is a strange training camp around the National Football League. No preseason games. You know, it's, it's difficult to get work in with only 14 padded practices. Actually, 11 of those are full practices. There's a ramp-up period even in pads that I think we're still in right now. Maybe one or two more practices uh, before you can go a full practice in full pads. So the, the time and the opportunity for players that are maybe on the roster bubble to show off and shine is limited at best this year, Bucky. How much of a challenge is evaluation for a coaching staff, for a scouting staff, a GM, decision makers, when there's no action under the lights at all? Yeah, this is really, really tough because there are certain guys that play well during practices, but there are other guys that shine in game. We'll get back with Bucky in a moment. Well, uh, John, this is, you know, as we talked about before, the uh, evaluation process, it comes down to padded practices. That's difficult. Normal, you would think, though, that there's a pretty good, good idea of so we'll the core of the football team. It's those, those bubble guys are, are going to be the real question mark this year. Who stays? Who goes in the practice squad? Oh, you know, 42 of the guys. Uh, who's going to be in the team, 42, 45, they have a good idea. I think what's interesting about this is the reality is with 16 practice squad guys, and this is going to be a year where I think you use more than that. You're going to have some floaters, as I call them, guys who are on and off the practice squad. You know, I get that cut down day is a big deal in the NFL because, you know, you're either making the team or not. But when you talk about the numbers, when you get to 80 guys in camp, 16 plus 53, all of a sudden you're at 69 guys. You know, I don't know that th that many guys here are actually fighting for jobs. I think the team's trying to figure out who do we want on the practice squad, who do we want to sort of have in that minor league, if you will, the quick call-up. So, yes, it'll affect some jobs at the end, but I almost get the feeling in this COVID season that there's going to be so much opportunity because of some turnover that this all sort of works out in – in the long run a lot of the guys who get cut i think are going to be on active rosters before the end of the season so maybe it all will sort of work out over the course of the next hopefully four months bucky brooks back with us now we lost you there glad to have you back of course so yeah the, the challenge here is trying to figure out who uh, is your core part of your football team who do you want on that practice squad how do you get them to the practice squad without getting them selected off waivers yeah, no, that is a big challenge. And, John, you bring up a great point about the minor league system and using the practice squad like that because that's where a lot of the draftees or the undrafted free agents that normally would have a chance to make the team, they may find themselves on the practice squad. But because the practice squad is so critical this year, the coaches have to continue to develop the young players. It has to be a priority for the Jaguars to make sure they develop the young players because you're going to need them to play by the, around the middle of the season. When it comes down to a cutdown, it's not like, I mean, the roster is at 80 now, right? Uh, and then you got to be at 53. Maybe they've added one. I can't remember. And then the practice squad is 16. So it, it, there's true like nine to 10 actual players that won't be around the organization unless you poach somebody off another waiver wire, right, Bucky? That's, that's kind of the big thing. We always think about the huge cut down from 90 to 53, but it seems a much different this time around. Yeah, it's much different. And when teams decided to become skinny, meaning only bring 80 guys in the camp, you pretty much cut your team almost all the way down. As John was referencing, you have 55 guys that can be on the active roster, another 16 in that practice squad mix. So right now we're talking about 71 guys, eight or nine guys that are in play on the bubble. Typically the team kind of has a general idea who they want to carry on their squad, but they do leave a spot or two for a surprise that may emerge in camp. All right, let's move along now. The other part of this thing is teams affected by this new feel. And, you know, I get the feeling, guys, that a more veteran football team, a, a team that has an established offensive scheme, defensive scheme, 
uh, players who have been around an organization for a long time will have an advantage in this situation without preseason games where a team like the Jaguars is young with a new offensive coordinator, a second-year quarterback, a lot of young players on the team. They're trying, just trying to get an offense going. Bucky, this is, uh, I, I think, an advantage for a veteran team rather than a team really like the Jaguars that's young and trying to figure things out. Typically, I would say it is advantageous for a veteran team because they already understand the system. There's a level of chemistry and continuity that already exists with the team. However, with a team that you have an offensive coordinator that's new and you have young players, you can maybe catch some early opponents by surprise because they haven't seen what you're doing because there haven't been any preseason games. That's an excellent point. In fact, uh, John, you know, the, the next trick, John, is uh, Jay Gruden has to figure out what type of offense this is and ha can those guys pick it up. And uh, it's still, he said the other day that this team is in diapers, but they've got to put those big boy pants on pretty quick here, John, and be ready to go week one. That's knocking on the door quick. Yeah, you better change out of the diapers fast. And he knows that. There's, I think it's uh, 12 practices in the next 13 days, something like that. Absolutely critical for Jay Gruden to figure out what he's got during that. You know, I'll say this. I agree with Bucky. Teams with veteran quarterbacks and coordinators who have been together, I think, have a tremendous advantage right now. One thing I will say, I get the Gardner Minshew's young. I am glad for the Jaguars' sake that they at least have a veteran coordinator, meaning Jay Gruden has been through this before. And I think Doug Marone, to a point, he didn't anticipate COVID. But he did say when he hired Jay Gruden that he didn't want a young guy this time. He wanted somebody who had been there before. He didn't know about COVID, but I think the fact that COVID's come along and really cut down the learning time absolutely means that Jay Gruden, I think, will have a distinct advantage, any veteran coordinator, over a guy who's coming in and also trying to learn how to be a coordinator. Jay doesn't have to worry about that. He knows how to do this. Yeah, John. Let's uh, get to the next point here. Of yeah, Go ahead, Bucky. No, I was saying that's a really good point. And the trick will be how quickly can Jay Gruden adapt to Garner Minshew and what he has around them? How quickly can he cut down a big playbook and make it small and digestible for all these young guys to be able to play fast? Yeah, what, what is this offense going to look like? That's the next question, right? Are they going to lean on the quarterback, second-year guy, with some young playmakers around him? Or are they going to pound the rock with Leonard Fournette in a contract year? Bucky, what's your gut on what this thing's going to look like at the start? You know, my, my gut would normally say, hey, let's lean on the running back because if you have a, a veteran running back that you can lean on, it makes the game easier for everybody else. But when you look at what Jay Gruden does schematically and how Garner Minshew's plays, it's kind of like a marriage made in heaven. Quick rhythm passer running a West Coast offense that gets the ball out to the playmakers. You look at the playmakers that are on the outside, DJ Chark, D.D. Westbrook, LaVisca Chenault. There are a lot of weapons that can make plays. And then don't underestimate the impact of Chris Thompson. Chris Thompson could be a critical factor out the backfield as a wide receiver. And oh, by the way, Leonard Fournette also called the ball well out the backfield. I think it may still be pass-centric with Leonard Fournette still having a heavy workload as a runner. It's the great unknown for the Jaguars in 2020. What is this thing even going to look like? Nobody knows. Let's come back. We know what this defense has done in the past around here, but there's a lot of new faces over there, especially over the last couple of weeks. We'll hear from Timmy Jernigan when we come back and discuss the report this afternoon that there could be a trade-up coming involving a certain defensive end. You can be at the bank. Football is back, of course. The Jags are taking every precaution to keep you safe so we can be Duve-all this fall. For more information, call 633-2000 or visit jaguars.com and lock in your tickets today. We're off and running. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters. 
Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Football is back. And Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars are ready to win. Visit Jaguars.com and join us at the bank. Season tickets mean you'll be there in person for a Thursday night matchup with the Dolphins, a rivalry game against the Steelers, and crucial contests with our AFC South Division opponents. The Jaguars are taking every precaution to keep our fans safe, and it's your weekend be too fall together this fall. Limited capacity seats remain. Visit Jaguars.com or call 904-633-2000 and lock in your seats for the 2020 season. At ViStar, we believe in better, better convenience, so members can bank any way they want, whether it's at a branch, on a mobile device, or at one of more than 20,000 fee-free ATMs across North America. We believe that people have better things to do with their time. If you believe that convenience is better, join ViStar. We never forget that it's your money. All loans subject to approval, insured by NCUA. Whatever the team needs, you know, if it's, you know, they need me to come in and, you know, be a heavy run guy, you know, uh, I can make that happen. I can do that. You know, if they need me to get to the quarterback, I feel like I got the ability to do both. You know what I mean? All I need to really do is just prove to to, to everyone that I'm ready for that. You know, uh, that's the biggest thing. I got to prove my point here within the next three weeks that, you know, uh, I'm ready for the task and I, and I think I can do it. Timmy Jernigan, the defensive tackle signed by the Jaguars this week, and he joins a defensive line room that has a whole lot of new faces over that time period. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick with Bucky Brooks and John Osier, and we're discussing the defensive line. This has been uh, a revolving door the last few weeks around here, a couple of opt-outs, uh, some guys put on reserve or the uh, injured reserve list, uh, some guys signed. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here. And then this afternoon, reports are surfacing that there is a, a trade that is somewhat imminent for the Jaguars of Unique and Gakwe. Bucky, you know, we've, we've heard about this all offseason, that Unique is franchise tagged. He doesn't want to play for the Jags. He wants to be moved and not play here anymore. But this is the most definitive, at least reporting, we've seen close to a deal so far. Yeah, it seems like it's imminent that he is going to leave Jacksonville. And what's being floated out there, maybe a second or third round pick and a player coming back. And I will say it, it would be a significant loss for the Jaguars. Obviously, he's a sack artist, a proven sack artist who is disruptive off the edge. He plays with a tremendous motor. Uh, but they already put some safeguards in place. We saw Josh Allen going into his second year is ready to play. Caleb on Chasen was drafted in the first round. So they'll go with a younger, more athletic set of bookends. They may not be fully polished and ready to go, but they certainly can get it done with these young guys on the edges. John, they've counted on those draft picks, of, as uh, Bucky mentioned there, Josh Allen and uh, Chason. Chason hasn't been on the practice field yet, but it doesn't seem to be. At least the word is that that hamstring issue is not uh, too much of a big deal. But obviously this will be huge if the Jags um, move forward. It's a big piece of the organization the last few years around here. Well, it's huge, and there's no way to say that it's going to help you on the field this year. Uh, because taking Ngakwe out of the equation takes away not just the sack. And I'm on record, I've said before, I don't know that he's elite in terms of sack guy. I don't know, I don't know if he's in, elite in terms of defensive ends, in, in terms of completeness. But what he's exceptional at is when he has a chance at the quarterback making the play and getting the ball out. I don't know that you replace that element. Uh, on would need to step up in a way that most edge rushers in their first year don't. Josh Allen was an exception, double-digit sacks, that's rare. I wouldn't expect that out of Chason. I think the person that it really puts the onus on would be Smoot, meaning he's not really a pure sack guy, Dwayne Smoot, but he's a guy who with effort can give you a lot. I think he would play a big role at the big end over there. Um, those are the kind of things that would have to happen in terms of really having the rotation. Defensive line is always rotational. The rotation would have to play big, the only good news is I think Josh Allen 
is ready to become a guy that is the equivalent of two players. He's that good in terms of his impact. He can His development this year into a year two elite guy, which I think he will be, could make up for the loss of a talent like Ngakwe. That's a lot to put on Josh Allen, but Bucky, I think Josh Allen's that good. Look, he's a dominant player. Uh, ten and a half sacks right out the gate. Uh, Pro Bowl caliber player. And you could probably say that he kind of kept held back a little bit in terms of the leadership qualities. Well, now that room is his. So he can fully be the guy that we saw at Kentucky. Coming off the edge, sparking the interest. But on the inside, Taven Bryant and Tim Jernigan, they have to step up. They have to get someone on the inside that can give them an inside presence. You can have one outside guy, but someone on the inside has to be able to collapse the pocket. Yeah, collapse the pocket, stop the run. That's uh, been the thing around here all offseason, all of that combined on the interior here. Let's, let's go a little more in on to, on to Taven Bryan here, Bucky. Obviously, a late first-round pick for this Jags team, at least so far, has not had the statistical performances to, to really ignite the fan base and get everybody fired up. But he's a big, strong guy who did, at the end of last season, start to come into his own a little bit. That's got to be a good sign for him moving ahead here. Yeah, that has to be a good sign. Normally, for most young players, particularly that were drafted high, we say the third year is the critical year. That's when the light bulb should come on. So this is the big year that everyone is expecting Brian to be the player that he was drafted to be. He's tough. He's physical. He's very athletic for his size. He has a really good motor. He just hasn't been able to put it together consistently. This is the year that we have to see the consistency because if he plays at a consistent level, he certainly can offset some of the disruption that will be lost if Yana Ngakwe is no longer part of the team. John, uh, how big was the signing of Jernigan? I know that, uh, you know, there's been so many changes recently. Let's add him to the list of a new face around here. But what do the Jaguars expect from Jernigan on the interior of this defensive line? I think it's more than we think it is right now. Well, he's got to be a run stuffer first and foremost because that's what they lost when they lost Woods and Gunter. If Jernigan is the guy that, has, he has been most of his career, especially uh, pre-injury. And I actually think they're okay at defensive tackle. Haven Bryan's got to play, maybe not to his absolute potential as a first-round pick, but he's got to play between what he, that and what he's played. You still have Avery Jones, you still have Jernigan, and you still have Devon Hamilton, who they like at nose tackle. The, the issue with losing the tackles is now all of these guys have to max out. There's not a whole lot of depth. But Jernigan, I'll kind of leave this to Bucky. He watches more film of these guys than I do. My impression is he can give you a little pass rush, but really he has got to help them stop the run because the whole thing with the pass rush, I get that there's concern about Ngakwe not being there. Their problem last year was never getting pass rush. It was not being able to stop the run enough for a lot of good pass rush to do their job effectively. So maybe Jernigan can help them get to that situation where Josh Allen and Chase on can make plays. Yeah, John, I think that's a big part of it. Tim Jernigan, when he was coming out of Florida State, like there were people that thought he was gonna be a five-star playmaker. He had found his way a little bit at the end of his tenure with the Baltimore Ravens and then with the Philadelphia Eagles. But who's not to say that the light really can come on for him. This is a perfect situation for him to go and be that, what I call, inside penetrating playmaker that also stops the run and gets to the quarterback. He certainly has the talent to be able to do so. We'll see if the uh, Jaguars can kind of, you know, right the ship here on the defensive line. A lot of moving parts over the last couple weeks and about 12 padded practices to go until opening day. Uh, Let's come back in a moment, gentlemen, shall we? And we'll get into the offensive side again. A little tight end talk. We talked about all the defensive changes But boy, the tight end room has taken a hit already here in training camp as well. Bono's Pit Barbecue is showing support for frontline heroes by creating a Feed the Frontline campaign. Help support our local doctors, nurses, and hospital workers by donating meals to honor their brave and dedicated efforts during this difficult time. Call 332-7427 and donate today. We're halfway home. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.
you can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 35 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the mid-100s, and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity hey jacksonville this is joe adib from bonos i just want to let you know that we have now reopened all of our dining rooms we appreciate all the love that you have showed us during this crisis for over 71 years we have been here for you through good times and bad our award-winning barbecue and our unbelievable staff look forward to seeing you soon be safe back and I looked at my write-up on him and I was like, man, this guy can run every route in the book. You know, he, he is a he is an accomplished route runner and um, he hasn't disappointed. Um, he, he, he's um, um, he's shown some physicality, um, but, um, you know, we, we, we've got to be smart as coaches to put him in the position where he's going to best serve or best um, give us the most that, that, that he's got to, um, to give. Ron Middleton, tight ends coach for the Jacksonville Jaguars, former Auburn Tiger, has a Super Bowl ring with Washington as a tight end and now has been around this organization. I think he's on his fifth offensive coordinator. That's something else. Welcome back. Jaguars happy hour. J.P. Shadrick, John Osier for the final segment. He's going to jump out a little early today. Bucky Brooks with us making his Jaguars.com video debut. He was on the Ozone podcast last week. Check the archives on the official uh, Jaguars podcast network. You know, he was discussing Tyler Eifert there and uh, Bucky, the, the, the route running ability of a guy who was a first round pick. So obviously he has some talent, but the injury bug has bit Eifert throughout his career. Finally, last season, he plays a full season, stays healthy, when he's healthy and ready to roll, what can this guy bring to a Jay Gruden offense? He's an outstanding seam stretcher. He is a guy that can take the top of the defense, split the two deep zone, and really create problems between the hashes. And because he's a big body guy that has some wide receiver-like skills, I can envision Jay Gruden using him very much like he used a Jordan Reed. Remember, Jordan Reed became an all-pro caliber, a Pro Bowl caliber tight end under Jay Gruden because he would empty formation out and play games with the deployment of the tight end. Tyler Eifert is athletic enough to do some of those things. He could be a huge weapon for the Jaguars offense. And John, I heard you this morning. Bucky, I don't know if you, you know John's schedule because John is on about 625 shows a week. <laughs> Whether it's here or on Tinted XL Radio, he is all over the place. So I believe, John, and correct me if I'm mistaken, I heard you this morning on Jaguars Drive Time on this website and on this app discussing Josh Oliver and that his loss, now a second-year player, he was banged up a lot last year, he has a broken bone in his foot. This loss could be even uh, more meaningful for the Jaguars than all the defensive line changes. Was that this morning? Was I right with that? I think it was. And, and JP, here's where I'm not as good as Bucky. Bucky does few shows for much money. I do <laughs> many shows for little money. So somewhere along the line, Bucky's got to teach me his game, and he, and he doesn't want to know my game. But uh, Josh <laughs> Oliver, I think, is a huge loss. I wrote this morning uh, for Jaguars.com and in the quick thoughts that I think it could be as big a loss as either defensive tackles simply because Josh Oliver is a guy that they believe 
is on the verge. Well, you know, it's hard to say on the verge because he's been on the field. They believe he's capable of being a breakout tight end, a versatile tight end who can block, who can get down the same. They think he had the potential this year to break out and be big time. Uh, with him being out, Tyler Eifert, if he's healthy, is going to love being in Jacksonville because he's going to get every opportunity. He's going to get – Jay Gruden has just had to use him. And from, and from what Middleton says, there will be no lining up in the backfield and taking on blockers in goal line for Tyler Eifert. He will be a pass-catching tight end. And if he's healthy, maybe the best one the Jags have had in a long, long time. Yeah, John, yeah, Bucky, like when you talk to tight end, around... pass catching tight end, I absolutely agree. Um, the one thing that Jake Rudin typically does from a schematic standpoint, look for a lot of empty formations to create mismatches. If they like the young wide receiver core, which they should with DJ Chark and those guys, going empty gives Tyler Eifert an opportunity to go one-on-one with linebackers and defensive backs, and that is advantage Eifert. There's been a history around here the last few years, Bucky, of, of not having a fullback on the roster. So lining up the tight end in the back and, and doing that whole deal, but uh, certainly not the case. There is a fullback on the roster currently, so uh, that's a little bit of a change for the offense, at least uh, in training camp so far. So let's uh, we've touched on tight ends. Let's discuss this offensive line a bit. And, you know, it could be the same starting five to start this season that ended last year. Uh, Tony Baselli and Pete Prisco are with us on Monday nights, Bucky, and we get a lot of insight from Baselli about the offensive line position, especially at left tackle, of course. Cam Robinson is in his fourth year contract year. He's healthy, coming into training camp for the first time in a long time. Uh, but there's also, there might be a little competition there. Will Richardson Jr. has moved over to left tackle. He played right tackle in college throughout his entire career at NC State. But Cam Robinson seems to be the, the, the guy, at least early in camp, that's a fourth-year player. He's been around the league. What have you seen from Cam in the last few years? There's a lot of talk about footwork and things. And, and where could that stand? I mean, Robinson or Will Richardson could be your left tackle this year. Yeah, it'd be interesting because when I look at Cam Robertson, he is what we would call a mauler brawler type. His his best traits are to lock on defensive ends and just kind of move them off the ball. He is not necessarily what I would call the technician that you want to leave on the island down after down and pass protection. And so when you're looking at Jay Gruden and what Jay Gruden wants to do, he has to make a decision based on, okay, here's my offensive line. They play really well going forward. But my quarterback likes to get the ball out quick. I think it leads us to think they're going to run the ball, but they're going to get the ball out quick. They're going to try and get it to the hands of the playmakers and hope that the quick rhythm of the passing game protects the offensive line from having to block extended periods against talented players. John, it's interesting this, this change for Will Richardson. He, you know, he started a couple games early in the year at left tackle in place of Cam when he would, had the other leg hurt early in the season. And Cam came back in, in week three. But moving over to left tackle, they, they, they really praised Richardson's play in, in last year's work with this football team, John. Yeah, they did. I still believe that Richardson's likely role this year, I think he'll wind up being the swing tackle. I mean, they moved in there. Remember, they lost to Boehe. So in the offseason, they were left, if Cam starts and if Juwan Taylor starts, which I, I would mm -hmm. expect, they were left with no experience behind those guys. Richardson allowed them not to go out and have to go sign a swing tackle. So the good news is it was a remarkably healthy offensive line last year. Now they've got a guy who they can plug in if there's injuries. I don't know that Richardson is going to beat out a Cam Robinson if Cam plays to his level. That's always been the big thing with Cam. He has a level that he hasn't reached yet. I don't know how to predict if he'll do that or not. Baselli's probably better at that than I am. But I do think that Will Richardson could be the left tackle next year because we don't know about Cam's situation at the end of this year. Yeah, Bucky, big year for uh, Cam, obviously. Uh, in, we're talking about a contract year for a left tackle. If he comes out mm -hmm. and plays well, whether it's here or, you know, next year, whether it's here or somewhere else, they're going to pay this guy a lot of money. That left tackle money is 
is big on the open market, even for Cam Robinson. But this is a huge year for him to come out and play well, obviously. Yeah, it's a huge year. And if he's motivated by money, he, you're talking about playing well, a $16 million annual payday that he could be looking at. I think the big thing for Cam Robinson is just understanding who he is and how he plays and making sure that the offensive coordinator and the line coaches and everybody understand what they have up front. When I look at this offensive line, this offensive line still can move people off the ball. They still have the capacity to run the ball well. How committed will they be to the running game? That could determine what we say about the offensive line when it comes to their performance and production. The rest of the group, of course, Andrew Norwell, left guard, veteran player in this league. Brandon Linder has, uh, has a second contract with the Jags. A.J. Can, veteran in the league, all with the Jaguars. And we mentioned Jawan Taylor and Bucky. This is a, a guy who had, what, 15 penalties last year? I think that led the league, in fact. But there is still tremendous talent there, obviously. Just got to work through some of the the hiccups as a young player and, and get some things going right. But the, the future is bright for Jawan Taylor on the right side. Yeah, it certainly is bright. And uh, what we have to understand, we got to train our, our minds to not think about the right tackle being different than the left tackle. The right tackle now faces tough matchups on the outside. The Khalil Max, the Von Millers, those guys play on that side now. So you have to have the footwork to be able to do it. And so when, he, when Taylor has been plagued by penalties, it's because his technique has been off. Some of that will be corrected by being able to work on it. The other part will be able to be corrected because he is better acclimated to the pace and the rhythm of the game. John, I'm excited to hear from Jawan. I think he's on the schedule next week to speak with the media over a video conference on Microsoft Teams. His mindset's always been great. He's super approachable, obviously, but uh, he, he's got the, the mental capacity certainly down to, to be a, a really – really good player in this league for a long time, John. Yeah, you mentioned penalties, and I get they were concerned for him last year, but it's striking. When you talk to Jaguars people about who the core of this team going forward is, and I'll leave out the rookies because you don't know about guys coming in, it's Chart, it's Allen, and it's Jawan Taylor. They feel like they've hit on those guys. Two of them made the Pro Bowl last year, and they feel it. I've never talked to anybody within the Jaguars who doesn't think that Jawan Taylor has Pro Bowl ability. Every time Doug talked about him last year, Jaguars head coach Doug Marone, you know, he would talk about the penalties, but he would also say, look, I can tell that this guy knows what he's doing. He's going to be very, very good. Uh, again, I don't know how you find out if he's making that jump until the season starts, but those three guys are everything you want in core players. And, and to me, those three, along with some other guys, those three are the future of the Jaguars to me. Hey, Bucky, do you believe in the whole cohesion with an offensive line thing that you need some time together and that this group is coming back from last year to this year? Is that a real thing for you and for scouts that, that look at this thing? We'll get back with uh, Bucky in just a moment. I, lo I lost, I lost oh, you for a minute. Bucky, are you I, with us? But I'm back now. Yeah, I lost you for a minute, but I'm back. So, look, when you talk about the core, I, th I think here's what's apparent about the core for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And turning over a new leaf and trying to reestablish this culture, the guys that you talk about are tough, hardworking, and competitive. And you always want to take chances on those guys. And so as Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell are rebuilding this team, they want to get like-minded, blue-collar dudes who really embrace the team concept and want to do it the right way. It may not show up immediately in the one-loss column, but eventually, they will rebuild it, repair it, and they'll get back to where Jacksonville was a few years ago. All right, uh, John, I know you've got to run early today. What do you have coming up in the next few days on Jaguars.com? Hey, uh, JP, we're on the field six days in a row. I, I'm just trying to get through it. And uh, it, we'll be covering the video conferences. And uh, for the next six days, it'll be a lot of what's going on on the field, what people are saying about what's going on on the field. To me, these next six days and the few practices after that, this is training camp. This is the key. And I think we're going to find out a lot about how Doug Marone and some of the leaders feel about this team. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the next few days are critical. And that, that's not just here, Bucky. It's around the National Football League. And 
Uh, excited to see what happens in the next week or so. John, we'll uh, catch you again next week. Bucky, stay right there. We'll be back. We'll go around the National Football League when we return. Florida Blue is here to help you better understand COVID-19, share information to help protect you and your family, and make sure you get the care and support you need during this challenging time. Florida Blue's support extends beyond healthcare as they work with the community to provide meals for seniors, masks for healthcare workers and residents, funds for immediate needs, and expertise on prevention. Around the league, when we come back, it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. You can step up to luxury now. Hello, I'm Dan Fields. Whatever you're driving, you can step up to luxury now. Plus, get our Fields amenities, which include complimentary loaners, car washes, and our cafes. Make this your year to step up to luxury at Fields Cadillac, Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Land Rover, Jaguar, and Lexus. When it comes to the ultimate car buying experience, there's only one name that matters, Fields. And Fields matters because you matter. The Fields Auto Group, proud partners of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Dreamfinders Homes has a simple commitment to their home buyers. Deliver unsurpassed quality, uncompromising value, and an extraordinary level of customization you simply won't find with other home builders. With over 35 communities to choose from, you'll find a location you love and the home of your dreams. Dreamfinders has townhomes, single-family homes, and custom estate homes starting from the mid-100s, and a wide selection of move-in ready homes. Quality, value, customization, that's the Dreamfinders difference. Call 904-738-0165 or online at dreamfindershomes.com. Dreamfinders Homes, the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Prices subject to change without notice equal housing opportunity committed to the team committed to the mission at navy mutual we're committed to providing high quality life insurance to members of the military and their families so our policies have no fine print and no military service restrictions we don't work on commission we're nonprofit, so we pass the savings along to our members because at navy mutual our highest commitment is to you visit navymutual.org navy mutual ensuring those who serve. Here we go. Good job. Keep working. Everybody doing a good job of staying up. Here we go. Uh, snap, 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 snap. Here we go. Here we go. Let's go. Good tempo now. Here we go in the huddle. Let's go. Next play. Hey, good time to get used to snapping. When the guy's going away from the quarterback, bam, snap him off. Hey, hey, yep, here we go. Hey. Head coach Doug Marone mic'd up at training camp practice earlier this week, and the full segment will be available very soon on Jaguars.com and on Jag social media. Check out the, uh, the guys do a great job uh, with the mic'd up segments. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, Jaguars happy hour continues. Uh, Bucky, it's great to have you. John Ozier out a little early today. We'll be back with him uh, next week, of course. Uh, let's uh, touch, uh, before we go around the league, I'm interested in uh, like a scout's perspective on all this college football news. You know, the Big Ten and Pac-12 have postponed the season. SEC, Big 12, and the ACC are still scheduled, but now schools are starting to send kids away again and now Ohio State's talking about putting their own schedule together. What in the world does that do, not only for a scouting staff trying to look at players, but uh, players who might have to decide to opt out and, and go to the draft and, or, or play the spring? That's a, that's a lot of decisions to be made. A lot of decisions to be made, JP. First for the players. The players that are most affected right now by the college situation would be not the top guys, but the guys that were developmental types. Just so we understand, the last three number one picks, when they entered the season, they weren't viewed as first-rounders. And so they worked their way into the conversation, not only as first-rounders, but as guys that were at the top of the charts. So we won't get that luxury this year. From a scouting standpoint, it makes it very, very difficult if you're a Dave Caldwell and you have kind of stockpiled these uh, draft picks so that you can rebuild your team with these guys. Now there's more uncertainty about the readiness of the players that will be in the 2021 class. So how hard do you go in on those guys when you may not have been able to see them play for 12 to 18 months? It makes it very, very tricky for team builders when it comes to the 2021 draft and how do you build your team with those guys in mind. Nick Saban the other day, head coach at Alabama, you might have heard of him. Uh, he said that if these 
conferences move to a 2021 spring season that it could be a JV field. Juniors and seniors might say, you know what, sayonara, I'm not playing two seasons, I'm getting out of here. Uh, th that's got to be tough to play a spring schedule. I mean, especially if players are sticking around and having two seasons in one calendar year, that's a huge ask. I mean, it's a huge ask, but I think it can certainly be done. Now, the, the key will be, can college coaches find a way to come up with practice schedules that take care of the players? But, JP, you have seen the change that has happened in the National Football League when it comes to practice. You don't see as many padded practices. You don't see a lot of live tackling. It's more about the sports science and getting your guys ready to play. If you took that approach with college, you certainly can do it. It would take some alterations when it came to the schedule. When does that spring schedule start? When does it end? More importantly, when does the fall portion of the 2021 schedule start? And when does it end? It is not ideal, but it certainly is doable. Something to watch for sure, and uh, I think we're, we're well over a month until the SEC is scheduled to begin. They just put out the schedule the other day, so a uh, little time. And as we know these days, a lot can happen in a short amount of time, not only in sports, but uh, around uh, just life in general. Let's go around the National Football League, shall we, and start off with Joe Judds of the New York Giants making players run in response to mistakes at practice Kim Jones was on the Zoom call with Judge this week and tweeted uh, about the, uh, the situation there. And uh, you responded as well on Twitter that, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, this, here's the tweet right here. Being tough while coaching players, um, they're not going to sing Kumbaya together and think we're going to advance. Well, you've responded to this that, hey, he better be real about this or they're going to sniff it out pretty quick. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I play for one of the toughest coaches that you can find in Coach Coughlin. And I think the thing that you have to be mindful of is when you take this approach, you have to get real investment from the players. And that investment comes from the results. Players will tolerate and, and deal and handle the demanding nature of your coaching style if it leads to results. However, if you're demeaning players and you don't get the results, your players will bail quickly. So, Joe Judge just needs to make sure that he is being himself, that this isn't an act. He's not trying to imitate Bill Belichick, but these are his core values and the things that he believes in, in terms of what helps a team win games. I would like to think that when you played for Tom Coughlin, that it was not an act. Is that accurate? No, it, it definitely was not an act. And it was challenging in terms of growing accustomed to it. But... The results were what the results were. Won a lot of games during that period. But it is hard to sustain it if the, the connectivity is not right between the coaching staff and the players. I'm not saying you have to be friendly, but there has to be some communication and some effective relationships. Let's continue. We go out to the desert. DeAndre Hopkins in camp with the Cardinals, but uh, he's not participating in padded practices you know, on Pro Football Talk today, Mike Florio brought up the idea that this might be a, uh, a situation where he's kind of holding off to the side until a deal gets done. Do you think that's the case? And does he get a number close to Julio Jones if he gets the new Ooh. deal? I mean, I know he would like to get a deal. I know that was a point of contention while he was in Houston. But, man, I don't know if you can fork over that kind of money um, right now. You haven't even seen him in your system. Uh, the Julio Jones money is extraordinary i just don't know look deandre hawkins is certainly in that conversation man to give a wide receiver that much money i don't know but i certainly understand it because you want to put it around you want to put an a-level player around Kyler murray so i expect the Cardinals to eventually pony up when they have to i was gonna say i mean he is one of if you're naming receivers the, right now he's in the top the three. two three right there yeah michael That's thomas it. him julio jones Whatever flavor ice cream you like, that's who you're going to go with. Man, big money. Big money you have to cough up in the desert to keep him. I'm going to start running some sprints here soon. Um, let's uh, move <laughs> to New England where Cam Newton, Brian Hoyer, and Jarrett Stidham are reportedly splitting reps at Patriots camp. Belichick has not named a starter publicly yet. This has to be Cam's gig, right? That's not, they didn't bring him up there for nothing. I mean, I would think so. Cam is far more talented than either candidate. We've seen Brian Hoyer play. It doesn't necessarily excite you. Jared Stidham 
was a fourth-round pick. We don't know what he can be, but I will say this. Cam was the number one pick. He was an MVP. Unless he just absolutely stinks up the joint, I would expect him to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots. Are you concerned about his health at all? Uh, yes, naturally you have to be concerned about his health because the last two seasons we've seen him go out. However, if he's healthy, he gives the Patriots an opportunity to do some stuff that they haven't been able to do for years. And with Bill Belichick seeing Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, these mobile playmakers having success, I'm sure he's tempted to put in some packages for Cam Newton to allow him to create the kind of headaches for others. Yeah, he can certainly create headaches. There's no doubt about that. Then our uh, final thought today around the National Football League, Drew Pearson and Tom Flores uh, selected as finalists for the Hall of Fame class of 2021. Pearson selected as the senior finalist. Flores, the senior finalist from the coaching ranks. Pearson, of course, a three-time All-Pro, an All-Decade team member in the 1970s, Super Bowl twelve champion with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, and then, of course, Flores played quarterback for the Raiders in 1960. He was their first quarterback and then ended up coaching them, the second winningest coach in Raiders history behind John Madden. Congratulations to those guys. Uh, you, know, it, I, you know, obviously Pearson had a great career. But for me, the, the standout moment, and at least you know, I'm a little younger, was his <laughs> troll job on the Philly fans at the draft that year from the stage. That was incredible. I mean, that was gold jacket worthy in itself. The way that he trolled them at their draft party, yes, he deserves to be in the consideration and in the hall. And I think this is great that he's finally made it past the barrier. He's one step closer to getting in. And then Tom Flores certainly deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. You talk about his record, it's second highest playoff winning percentage behind Vince Lombardi. Nobody talks about that. You think about a two-time Super Bowl winner with that kind of winning percentage, you would like to think that he gets in. All right, there'll be 18 finalists on Super Bowl weekend, including Pearson Flores, a senior contributor to be named a little bit later, and then 15 modern era finalists. Let's see if we can get Baselli in there this year, too. 80% of the vote needed, as we all know by now. Um, hey, what'd you think, Bucky? First show. First show, man. I loved it. I'm so excited. I promise I'll be better next time. I have a little more chemistry and flow, but I loved it. It was great. All right, first time out, we've got a lot of these to go, and we look forward to them all. We appreciate your time, as always. Our thanks to John Ozier, our entire crew, for putting these together. For everyone involved, I'm J.P. Shadrick, and we'll catch you next time. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network.